Welcome to the Renew Life Church podcast. No matter what situation we find ourselves facing, we know that God wants to speak clearly to us. So wherever you're listening from today, we want to thank you for being here. Grab a cup of coffee and join us as we tune in to our Sunday conversation. Hey, uh, well, good morning. I'm Keith. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Excited just to get to share the message with you today. And um, I might come out of the gates firing, so y'all ready? Um, You know, today I want to talk to you about living for God. I want to talk to you about living for God. If you've been in church for some time, you, you realize, you've heard this phrase before. You've heard a lot of people say, you, you know, you need to live for God. You've been preached it before, live for God. But what does that actually mean? What does it really mean to live for God? Do you know how to live for God? In fact, I want you to even ask yourself the question right now. If I were to come up to you and say, hey, are you living for God? What's the first thought that goes through your head? Are you living for God? See, but today I wanna, I wanna kind of talk around this subject and kind of, kind of talk about maybe some ways you might be living for God that may be an old system, that may be an old way that Jesus already bought and paid for and that, that he's actually made a new system for you to live in, a new way for you to live for God that you've never even experienced before. You see, one of the things that we have to understand before we even get going this morning, before we even start talking about living for God, is we have to realize that when Jesus came and all that he did for us, he freed us from from some things, amen? But you have to realize this about Jesus. He didn't just free us from something, he freed us to something. You have to realize this about God. He doesn't just free us from something. He frees us to something. He didn't just take you out of darkness, but he placed you in to the light. He didn't just free you from sin, but he freed you into righteousness. God did not just save you from hell, but he saved you to heaven. He didn't just take you out of the world. He placed you into the body of Christ. And what I have found is that many Christians, we live our life, we live our relationship in tune with God and with God, and we only live it according to what he's freed us from instead of realizing what he's freed us to. Let me give you an example this morning. Have you ever heard the scripture, well, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God? Oh, brother, we've all sinned. Don't worry, brother. You ever heard that before? There were sinners saved by grace. Truth, that's, that's actually true. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Except when you go on to read Romans chapter 3, verses 21, 22, and 23, it says, for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Yet Jesus made us righteous. Yet God put us in right standing with himself through the blood of Jesus. You can live at the level of truth that says, I'm a sinner saved by grace, or you can choose a higher system, a higher way, and live knowing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus freed us from something. Come on, I told you I was ready today. He freed us from something, but he also freed us to something. You know, one of the things that, one of the the biggest things that I think Jesus has freed us from is he's freed us from the law. He's freed us from the law. What is the law? The law was the old way of doing things. The law was the old system that 
that, that believers functioned in their relationship with God. What was the law? The law was a set of rules that believers followed to prove that they were in relationship with God. The law was an old system that was all about working for it, earning it, deserving it, proving yourself. If you sinned, you had to sacrifice this animal and you had to take your sins to the priest and he would go in once a year and and free you and then about five minutes later you'd sin and you'd have to wait for a whole another 364.78 days to come back and get free from sin again. This was the law. This is, you, you want to talk about living for God? That's how people used to live for God. But remember, Jesus didn't just free us from something, he freed us to something. And when he freed us from the law, guess what he freed us to? He freed us unto grace. You know what grace is? Grace is the exactly opposite of the law. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, you can't work for it, you can't perform for it. No, you, you cannot work to get in good graces with God. You know what grace is? Grace is freely given. It's the unmerited, unearned favor and blessing of God on your life. You know how grace works? You just believe it and you receive it. Living in this new system looks like you believing and receiving. Living in this new system looks like you not thinking you have to perform for God. How many of you, don't don't raise your hand, how many of you live your life performing for him? How many of you live your life working for it, trying to earn it, trying to deserve it? You know, we've all, we grew up, we grew up in Texas. We, we know that, you know, you don't get anything unless you work hard for it, except the grace of God. You cannot work for it. It's maybe one of the hardest things for us to receive as believers because we can't do anything to get it. All we can do is just say, Jesus, I guess you did it. I receive it. You see, today I want to encourage you. It's no longer about your performance, but it's about the one thing that was performed. It's about what Jesus performed on the cross. And when he died on that cross and he shed his blood and he rose from the dead and when you believed in him, guess what? You got everything that he bought and paid for if you receive it by faith, if you believe. The question that I want you to begin to ask yourself this morning is not whether you know this or not, but are you living this? or not. You may have heard a hundred messages on grace, the difference between the law and grace, but can I ask you today, I'm not asking, I'm, I'm not asking you if you know it, I'm asking you, do you live it? Do you live like you're righteous? Do you live like you are blameless? Do you live, I'm about to say it, like you're holy? have a couple of questions just to maybe help you decipher on the inside how you're living. Look at your neighbor and say, how you living? That was supposed to be kind of funny, but y'all are so serious right now. Okay. (laughs) Is it more comfortable and natural for you to check your boxes with God or engage and live by the Holy Spirit? What's more comfortable? What's more natural? Do you wake up every day checking your boxes 
or do you wake up engaging in the Holy Spirit, in his voice? Do you live your life ashamed and guilty most of the time or empowered and purposeful? When you wake up or you go throughout your week, when you come to church and you're you're singing that first song of worship. Are you dealing with all the mistakes that you made? Are you dealing with all the sin that's in your life? Are you dealing with all the shame and the regret and the guilt? Or do you come into church empowered, feeling enabled, feeling called to affect those who are hurting around you? You see, there's one way of living in the old system. That's, that's living in the shame, in the guilt. It's, it's, it's kind of a clue. It's a red flag saying, hey, you're living according to the law. Oh, but the other is the new system. Are you always thinking about all the ways you can get better, fix your mistakes, stop messing up, or are you, are, or are you always thinking how you've been given the ability and the, and the power to affect the people around you? Today I'm wanting to break. <laughs> I'm wanting to break a mindset that some of you might be carrying today. That is the law, and I want you to step into grace, amen? Paul begins to talk to us about this in, in Romans chapter seven. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans seven. And, and he, he begins to tell us what happens for us as believers whenever we believe in Jesus. And look at what he says in verse one. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, in other words, you who are familiar with the rules and the regulations, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? I love this. For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies... She is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Verse four, so my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. Let me say it again. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. How many of you know this? When you, got, when you got saved, when you get united with Christ, you no longer have to work for it. You don't have, no longer have to try real hard. But if you'll let him live through you, you'll actually begin to produce a harvest of good works. You'll begin to produce a harvest of good deeds. It actually comes out of who he made you to be. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law. Come on, we've been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God. Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way. Say new way. Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. He's given us a new way. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this new way. We ask you even during this message that you would teach us how to live in it. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, guide us. I pray that every word that would come from my mouth would not be of my flesh, but it would be of your Spirit, God. 
affect us, change us. We're not here just to go through church. We're not here just to hear uh, another word from you. No, we, we're here to be affected. And so we open up our heart. We open up our eyes to see. We give you a soft heart today. We hold your word with great value and great respect, knowing that it can change our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. <clears throat> amen, amen. Let me ask you this question this morning. If you've ever been afraid to make a mistake, raise your hand. Anybody ever been afraid to make a mistake? Yeah, we've all, we've all kind of been afraid to make a mistake. And, and uh, I've learned this about, you know, being afraid to make a mistake. It kind of gets our attention on the mistake, right? It, we, we get our, our focus on the mistake. And, and usually the mistake we're afraid to make is the mistake that we make. Anybody ever notice that? It's like if you're, you, 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 you're afraid to make this mistake, you're thinking about all the, the ways things could go wrong, and usually things go wrong. The very thing that you're afraid of actually manifests in your life. Why is that? Well, I believe it's because your attention is on the mistake instead of the goal. Where your focus is at, your attention, you're actually putting all your effort and your focus into the mistake. Therefore, you, you go to the mistake. It's kind of like teaching a kid to ride the bike. You don't say, hey, get on that bike and do not run into that curb because guess what they'll do? They're going to run into the curb. Why? Because they're going to be looking at the curb. Don't hit it. Don't hit it. Don't hit it. Bang. Over the, yeah, here we go. So the, you, that, don't teach your kids that to ride the bike. Like that's, that's a bad way to do that. We, we go where we're looking. We go where we are focused. You know, one of the things that I love to do when my, it is my most favorite thing to do is to snowboard. I love going snowboarding. And, um, and still to this day, I'm terrified of getting off the lift. I've gone, it's like eight years of snowboarding and still my first time up, I'm like, I'm gonna kill everybody. Like it's gonna happen. Like it's gonna be bad, right? And uh, if you don't know about snowboarding, so you have two feet in when you're riding, but when you're on the lift, you gotta take one out. And you got to get off the lift and ride down the mountain without a shoe in. It ain't like skiing. Like, it's, they need to fix that is what I'm saying. Like, there's problems. How we put a man on the moon and can't get two feet in the snowboard off. Anyway, well, I'm just, I'm still terrified. I, I remember one time we, were, we took, me and Natalie took a, a, a bunch of kids on a youth ski trip. And they all went before us and they were all waiting on the, uh, at the end of the lift. And it was me and Natalie and like two other youth kids. And it, me, I was on the lift with one foot out of my snowboard. And all I'm thinking is, don't fall, don't fall. Do not tackle everyone. Just, you, I, got, I got 16 youth kids watching me trying to be the cool youth pastor. I'm thinking, don't fall, don't fall. Guess what happened? I come off that lift, her skis go flying. I tackled her so hard. I mean, we, I wiped out, I almost wiped out the whole resort. I felt all 6'4 of me was just flying all over the place. <laughs> but you know, I've learned how to fix that. You know how you, you know how you get over that? You actually just, <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it, you just act like you're a baller. <laughs> you know how you get off the lift and don't fall? You act like you've been doing it your whole life. You stand up confidently you get off like, you guys need two skis, I just need one foot. What up, everybody? <laughs> and you get off, and you just stay confident, and if you'll just be confident, and you're not thinking, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, you're like, just right over to that bench and put your other shoe in. That's what you think. See, what happens is you get your focus on the goal, you get your focus on the right thing, and your actions begin to follow. You're not mistake-oriented, you're not mistake-minded, you're not thinking, don't fall, don't fall. No, you're actually thinking 
the right way. You know, I, I, um, I kind of realized this truth when, um, through, through all my years of playing football. Many of you know my, uh, my career playing football, and I played quarterback, and I started off as in high school, and really my first year of ever really playing, uh, you know, in varsity level, um, I just didn't do very well. And um, I threw a lot of interceptions, and some of y'all are like, you threw a lot of interceptions later in your career too. And I'm like, we're not talking about that. <laughs> we're not talking about that right now, okay? This is about this message. <laughs> but I kind of started off with, with making a lot of mistakes. And because of that, I created a mindset subconsciously, really. And I began to play football and go out on that field, and this was literally my goal. My goal when I went out to play was to not throw interceptions. My goal, really, was to not mess up, was to not make a mistake. Why? Because it hurt to make a mistake, because it was embarrassing. There's one position that can't hide on the football field. It's the quarterback position. You mess up, everybody sees it. And I didn't want to feel those feelings of not being good enough, And subconsciously, I began to play, trying not to make a mistake, trying not to throw an interception, trying not to to mess up. And and instead of trying not, you know, it wasn't until college, it wasn't until I got a little bit older, I realized this about myself. And I had to change my mindset. I had to change my perspective. I had to change my approach as I went out to play. It, I, I wasn't called to go out on the field and not throw interceptions. I was called to go out on the field and throw touchdowns. I was called to go out on the field and not, and try, and not try not to mess up, but to make plays. It wasn't my, my duty and my call to go out on that field and try not to lose. No, I needed to go out on the field and try to win. Are you following me today? It was a shift in my mind. It was a shift in perspective. You know, one of the things that I always struggled with is, honestly, a lot of my playing career was (laughs) miserable until I started to play good. All the days leading up to the game, you can ask Natalie, don't talk to me on a Friday before a Saturday game. I ain't even a Christian on Friday, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was, I was just so nervous, and I was just, like, in a bad mood because I was so afraid to mess up. But I had to change my mind. I had to get my mind right. You know, the Lord brought this story up to me this week. And what I believe he revealed to me and what he showed me is that many of us as Christians, many of us as believers, we live our life and we live out our relationship with God trying not to throw interceptions. In other words, the way that we live our life, the way that we live out our walk with God is we just try not to mess up. We wake up every day thinking, oh, I can't sin. I can't fall off that lift. I can't mess up today. No mistakes for me today. And we live our life trying not to lose instead of living our life to win. We live our life tied to the old system, tied to the thing that Jesus freed us from instead of living the life that that, that he's freed us to. Can I just say, if you are living your life this way with with this mistake-mindedness, you're not really living. If you wake up every day ashamed, if you wake up every day wondering, am I going to get it right today? Am I going to not cuss today? Am I going to not flip someone off in traffic today? Am I going to not, am I going to, I'm going to try my best not to be mean. How about instead of waking up trying not to be mean, you think, I'm going to be kind 
to my wife. It's a flip in perspective. It's a flip in your mindset. This is called, this is the difference between a sin consciousness and a spirit consciousness. We have to, as believers, we have got to stop living our life with a sin consciousness. Everything that we, we take in, everything that we do, it's in the filter and in the world of do not sin. Oh, I, can I get on my soapbox for just a minute? The Christian life is so much more than not sinning. It's so much more than not sinning. That's the beginning of it. Jesus beat sin. When he died on the cross, he conquered sin, death, and the grave. Sin is conquered. The power of sin is conquered. And guess what? He says that you've conquered it too. He's given you the power over sin. Why are you struggling with something you already beat? Why are you living your life subject to something that is so far below you? I'll tell you why, because many of us are mistake-minded. Many of us have elevated sin and lowered, our, lowered ourselves. We are seated in heavenly places. That is above every sin, above every principality, above every demon, above every mistake, above every wrong direction you go, above, above every wrong decision you make. You've been seated in Christ in heavenly places. You are forgiven. You've been set free. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is who you are. And it is not until you start believing that that is who you are that you'll actually begin acting like who you've already been created to be. If you live your life this way, with mistakes always on your mind, I want you to know you're just living in an old system. You're living in an old system. And it's time to break that old system. It's time for you to begin to live in the spirit. This is what Paul was talking to us about in Romans chapter seven. I want us to, to read that again in verse five. He said, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we've been released from the law. We died to it, no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. That's what, this is what he meant by, the, by that. There's this new way. There's this new way. It's a new way. Come on, it's a new way. You may know this, but you still may be living the old way. It's time for, to get what you know into your life. It's time for you to wake up and instead of asking God to forgive you, ask God to use you. I'm not saying don't ask God for forgiveness. Hear me today. <laughs> we all need it. He knows we need it. I want you to begin to live your life like Mark's chapter 16 talks about. And these signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will cast out demons. They'll pick up things that could hurt them and it won't even hurt them. They can drink poisonous things and it won't kill them. Why? Because they're followers of the most high God. Why? Because they've been empowered. Why? Because they are believers who know who they are and they know the power that they carry. You can spend all day long trying to fix yourself and guess what? You'll keep waking up every day with something wrong. 
You will never be perfect, which is why Jesus was perfect. And he made you perfect because he took all of your sin with him into his body onto the cross and he crucified it there. Come on, I hope you feel encouraged today. I hope you know who you are. The same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Some of y'all are like, come on, pastor, you're, stop giving me just a, a good little pep talk. You need a pep talk. We need a pep talk. The world is crazy right now. It's depressing. It makes you angry. It's producing all these emotions within us. Come on, I, I know I'm a real human, so are you. It's really hard to love people right now. Can I just say that? Why? Because you're constantly faced with all the people that are, they, some, we, mm. It's like, man, yes, Lord, love people, you said. Whoa, how does Yoda say things? Love people, you say, God. It's like, I, I don't, sometimes I don't know how. Sometimes I, I don't want to. And the enemy would love nothing more than to steal the love you have for people. Because if he knows that you love them, you can bring power to them and you can actually change the circumstances, the situations, the things that they're going. You can literally, you can change people's lives. And I, when I say that, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the Christ that lives in you. You have something to offer. It's time you live your life not, not trying not to do something, but actually flipping doing something. We live our life doing something, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know what I love about Jesus? I, I was telling Natalie this this week. You know, Jesus, he didn't go, come to his disciples. He didn't say, go into all the world and don't sin. He didn't say that. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Heal the sick, free the demon-possessed. In other words, Jesus told them to go and do something. He didn't say, go out there and fix yourself and let everybody watch. He didn't do that. He said, go lay hands on people. Release signs, miracles, wonders into the atmospheres that you walk in. Should you deal with the stuff that's in your life, the sin that's in your life? Absolutely. But you can't stay there. Absolutely, but you can't live 100% of your Christian life there. We've been preaching a lot from this platform. I'm going to calm down. <laughs> We've been preaching a lot from this platform just about uh, Jesus being the Lord of every area of your life, about having a soft heart, about submitting your life um, just to the word of God and to Jesus. I want you to know I'm not, I'm not coming against that message. I, I was one of the ones that preached the message. I believe that. I believe there are times that we, that in fact, even as, as we were, Cody led us to just share our testimony and, and, and just to thank God. One of the things I, I was thanking him for was for all the ways that he freed me, that he's freed me from the inside out. I'm so thankful for God and what he's done on the inside of me for those moments that I've had with him. But we have to be careful 
that we don't live our life always self-evaluating. Let me, I want you to hear me say this. Too much self-evaluation is harmful. It can actually be detrimental because you'll begin to live with the mindset, I'm just a sinner, barely saved by grace. In other words, I'm just going to squeak my way in through the door. It's like Jesus is going to be closing the door to heaven. And you're just going to be like, whoop. I'm glad I got in there. I was a screw up, but thank God for the little bit of grace. Wrong. Wrong. He says, come boldly into the throne room of grace. In other words, barge through the door. That's how worthy you are to be in his presence. That's how righteous he sees you. That's how forgiven you are. There has to be an equal dose of Oh, man, I need to fix these things in my life. But, God, I thank you that I'm, <laughs> I've already been completely fixed by you. Paul goes on to tell us this, and I'm, I may skip through a little bit of this. In Galatians chapter 2, um, verse 18, we'll skip that, verse 16. Look at verse 18. He says, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore, tore down. Isn't this interesting that he starts off this way? He actually says, for those of us who believe, for those of us who are called to the new system, to the new way of living by grace, we actually become a sinner if we rebuild the old system. In other words, he said, those, who, those of you who are saved by grace, stop living by the law. You have a new way to live. And then he goes on to say this. I love this. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. Anybody, can anybody relate to that? When I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. Some of you, today is the day that you die to the law. I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements. Why? So that I might live for God. You want to know how you live for God? Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to meet all the requirements. Stop trying to prove yourself. Stop trying to deserve it. Stop trying to earn it. Stop thinking that only the pastor can really get results when they lay hands. Stop having, stop believing these lies that only the real spiritual, only the real holy people, only those who pray six hours a day get results in their life and can be used by God. No, the second that the blood of Jesus washed over your soul, is the second you, you became united with Christ. And when God looks at you, he does not see you. He sees his son. I'm gonna say that again. When God looks at you, he does not see you. He does not see your mistakes. He does not see your failures. He doesn't see where you're lacking. He doesn't see any of that because he sees you through the, the blood of his son. He literally sees you as Jesus himself. You've been united with Christ. You've been hidden in Christ. You and him, him and you. There's no separating you from Jesus. When you look in the mirror, do you see your old self or do you see your new self? <clears throat> I want to encourage you today, stop trying to meet all the requirements 
You can't live for God if you're always trying to be perfect. You can't live for God if you're afraid to make a mistake. You live for God by realizing you've been made to live for him. You live for God because you've been made righteous. You can live for God because you've been made powerful. You can live for God because you've been made to make a difference. Thanks for tuning in today. You can stay connected with Renew Life Church by following us on Facebook or Instagram or by visiting our website at www.renewlifechurch.com. We love you and hope you feel encouraged from this message today.